Welcome to Needs Science Trust, the AOP Health Podcast. We want to give you some insights about the many aspects of our work in researching, developing and providing therapies for patients with rare diseases or in critical care. In this podcast series, we talk to experts from different fields, including the scientific community, industry insiders, authorities, patient organizations and more. Your host is Sabine Nikolai. Thank you for tuning in. Today we talk about pharmaceutical research with the focus on research in rare diseases. Based on an evidence-based estimate, approximately 3.5 to 5.9% of the population worldwide suffers from a rare disease. In the EU, this is about 30 million people. For 95% of these diseases, there is still no therapy. Research in this area is therefore particularly important and needed. AOP Health feels responsible for these patients and has been researching the field of rare diseases for 25 years. The company has brought several new therapies to rare disease patients worldwide. Despite this fact, the company does not have its own research facilities. At AOP Health, research is brain work. Research for drug development is a highly complex, lengthy and risky endeavor. Even more so in rare diseases where only limited knowledge from low numbers of patients is available. My conversation partners today are experts in the area of rare diseases and medication research. Christoph Klade is Chief Scientific Officer at the AOP Health Group and Lukas Huber is researcher and professor at the Medical University of Innsbruck. Dr. Klade, you are Chief Scientific Officer at AOP Health. How did you become a researcher in the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, hello. I have to admit that the drive to become a researcher was mainly curiosity. And I specialized on immunology and oncology. And the curiosity is still there. But I have to say that over the years, the curiosity got accompanied also by a feeling of responsibility. Responsibility to use the knowledge and to use the skill set ultimately for the benefit of patients. Professor Huber, as university professor, you are representing academia and therefore the other main aspect in the development of medication. Could you please tell us about your background? Yes, of course. Uh, welcome and hello also from my side here in Innsbruck. I am a medical doctor um, and I am a researcher in molecular cell biology. My area of expertise is the cell biology of rare diseases and of cancers. And in this context, uh, we are investigating the mechanisms underlying those diseases with the hope uh, to contribute to a better understanding and with the hope that we can develop new innovative therapies for them. So the idea behind research's brain work is that there is a question and you are looking for answers. Is there a defined goal and What is the way to get there? Is that research itself? Yeah, sometimes um, success in discovery depends strongly also on serendipity. Serendipity happens when you discover something you have not explicitly searched for. The best known example for this is the discovery of penicillin 
by Alexander Fleming. The most potent tool in fighting infectious diseases was discovered by Mayer Chance, a fungus that killed almost all bacteria. But you still needed the creative and open mind of a researcher to interpret this finding correctly and to start the development of a medication from that point onwards. So by this example, you can see that the predefined path, but also the detours we sometimes take, the accidental findings we make, the new understanding, and the constant evaluation, all this makes up research at the end of the day. Dr. Klade, is there something you might want to add to this path? Drug development is not like a short distance race. It is more uh, that you see a summit somewhere on the horizon and you say, this is where I want to get to. And you do not know which valleys and which streams you have to pass, which cliffs you have to overcome. And so it's not only the muscle that helps you, but you also need a lot of experience uh, in order to master these cliffs that are, that are barring your way. From what I understand now, from what the two of you just said, is that you need a lot of imagination, that you need a lot of creativity, that you need fantasy to define these goals and also to find the path that you have to take. So how do we have to imagine your research work? What are your tools and, and how do you define your goals? Um, what are the daily proceedings? Yes, this is an excellent question, and I think it is best explained uh, by a concrete example. So if we start the research process at AOP Health, the starting point is always the patient need. This means we have to clearly understand what is important for the patient, and in order to, to gather this understanding, we are in close contact not only with key opinion leaders, but also with the treating physicians who see patients on a daily basis, and whenever possible, Uh, we also speak to patient organizations to listen uh, to the needs of the patients. In the concrete example I want to give, uh, this is a rare blood cancer and uh, AOP Health uh, had been active in that field for many years and knew that for this uh, particular type of rare blood cancers, there was only symptomatic therapy available. This means all the therapy available could help the patients with regard to the symptoms, but it could not be a causative treatment, it could not uh, attack the root cause of the cancer, which in that case are the stem cells that reside in the bone marrow. Dr. Klade, what would be the next steps? Having identified this patient need, the next step was to systematically look for drug candidates that could have uh, this quality, namely to attack the stem cells in the, in the bone marrow. And we found uh, such a compound, it had been developed by another company for a different purpose. And uh, after having licensed the rights for this compound for the blood cancers, we started then the development. And this development involves on the one hand a clinical development, the phases one, two and three. And on the other hand, the technical development. Speaking about clinical development, uh, in orphan diseases, it is uh, of course always limited by the number of patients. Now, if it comes to clinical development, Everyone of us has in mind the huge vaccine trials that were done to get COVID vaccines licensed, where 40,000 uh, people got vaccinated over summer and soon after summer, the results of the trial were there. In the case of orphan diseases, unfortunately, it is more complex. 
We had to recruit about 300 patients for our development and it took us several years and we had to go to clinical expert centers all over Europe. Uh, in total, it, were, it was more than 50 clinical centers where we would find these patients. And then we had to treat these patients with the new candidate drug for several years. But after many years of hard work, uh, the data was together and we could file a dossier for marketing authorization. And meanwhile, uh, this product uh, is uh, licensed uh, not only in Europe, but with the data that we created uh, as a relatively small company in Europe, uh, also in the United States. So this is an absolute success story we are very uh, proud of. But on the other hand, let me also state Uh, that uh, drug development is very, very risky. This may have been a success story, but it was a long story. It took over one decade. Uh, it cost uh, many, many millions. And usually, uh, even if you start with clinical development, so you have already uh, a very a very good compound that fulfills all criteria that it can be safely given to patients, uh, then the chances for success are only uh, one out of ten. So, From 10 candidates, only one will become a product. Okay, this is a very exciting um, look back. Um, and also, I understand that you, um, that you were uh, very active in developing um, drugs which can be adjusted in a new way, like um, where, for instance, the patient can choose the dose and can adapt the dose in everyday use and apply it himself. Is that, is that correct? Exactly. This is another aspect of the patient need. In that particular case, the compound has to be injected under the skin. And this has to be done for many, many years, potentially lifelong. Uh, and patients require very different doses. So what we did is we developed the compound in a way that the patient can adjust himself uh, the dose with a factor of 10. And he can, what is, what is really important, apply the medication himself pretty much uh, as he would do uh, with uh, an insulin pen. Dr. Klade, what would be the next steps once that safety and efficiency are sufficiently demonstrated? After clinical development, safety and efficiency or efficacy of the drug is uh, sufficiently demonstrated. You can file for marketing authorization, which uh, we did in this case. And uh, the marketing authorization, meanwhile, is obtained uh, on a global scale. So this drug is available to patients not only in Europe, uh, but also uh, in certain countries uh, in Asia, uh, in Israel, and importantly, uh, in the United States. But now, uh, this is not the end of the story. It gets really exciting because uh, more data is gathered when the drug is used in the field. And in this particular example, uh, I said in the beginning that there was simply only symptomatic therapy available. And this was the first uh, treatment option that could attack the root cause of the cancer. And that led very quickly after the introduction of the drug uh, to a treatment paradigm shift in the sense that before patients were treated as late as possible. So basically doctors waited uh, as long as the symptoms became unbearable and then they started the treatment because they knew with the treatment they could only reduce the symptoms but never cure the, uh, the patient. Now, with an approach where you attack the root cause of the cancer, it is obviously much more reasonable to treat early. And this is exactly what we are seeing in the field. This is a, a trend which uh, is now 
not anymore propagated by AOP Health alone, but this is a trend that is propagated by indi individual and independent investigators who understand the concept like this and who applied uh, the drug like that and, and who also did their own clinical trials, so independently validating uh, our concept. I understand that the drug that you developed uh, is now available worldwide, and but it took uh, its start here in Vienna, right? Absolutely. Uh, the drug uh, had been invented by uh, another company, but for a different purpose. And at AOP Health, this was again the brain work. There was the vision that this compound could be used for these uh, rare blood cancers I was talking about. Uh, and then in, back in 2009 and 2010, the whole development story started, but it took over a decade uh, until we had uh, fulfilled all the development steps. So you see, drug development is not for the faint-hearted. It is a very lengthy, risky and costly Uh, endeavor and uh, I was I was part of the story and have to say that several times we were at the brink of failure but in the end uh, we made it. Dr. Huber, you work in the field of academic research and you also teach at the Medical University of Innsbruck. How are the described processes different from academic research? Well, in discovery research we set up and start with a hypothesis and following uh, Karl Popper, we design experiments in a way to disprove our hypothesis first. And only when those experiments fail, then we get trust in the hypothesis and we can further pursue it. Now, this is a way of trial and error, of course, but it's also uh, dependent on rational design, of course. And opposed to that, applied research must follow rules rather strict rules and strict protocols to get a drug approved. What the two ways, however, have in common is year-long intensive research and a huge knowledge base that you need from the involved scientists. I understand you created a platform to connect researchers in the field of rare diseases, the so-called Rare Disease Cluster Austria. What is the idea behind that platform and in which way will it improve development of medication? There is no doubt that we will need more research for rare diseases. And based on initial literature review that I performed, uh, and I was looking for genetic discoveries of rare diseases in Austria, I have formed a network of researchers and institutes from all medical universities in Austria. No less than 130 genes have been described for rare diseases for the very first time by these researchers in Austria, either alone or in international collaborations. However, we need much more basic research here in rare diseases, as I said before, in order to enable and advance the development of modern and innovative therapies for rare diseases. Having said that, I should also add, it's a sad reality that research funding in Austria for rare diseases does not have a high priority. So there is no doubt that cooperation between academia and pharmaceutical companies are an important factor in the development of new medication. How does this cooperation work in daily life? There's no doubt that the collaboration between academia and pharmaceutical industry is of utmost importance. 
because what we do here is uh, we combine different skill sets and we combine different mindsets and this in the end can be very valuable. Again, I would like to give a concrete example uh, that we had here at AOP Health. We had a compound that was initially designed uh, for a neurological disorder, but uh, neurological disorders uh, are notoriously difficult to develop and in the end we were not so convinced that the drug uh, could be uh, a success candidate. But nevertheless, this drug uh, acts on a very, very central uh, aspect uh, of cellular metabolism. Uh, it regulates uh, protein degradation and so we thought there might be there might be a chance for this drug elsewhere. So we started some serious brain work. It started with a systematic literature review where these targets of this drug were already described in certain diseases. We screened then a high number of diseases and uh, everywhere there was a problem. But then someone at AOP Health uh, had a brilliant idea. And the idea was that uh, this compound is regulating protein degradation Uh, and histones are also proteins. And uh, as Professor Huber can better explain than myself, uh, histones uh, have a central role uh, in gene expression and enhancing cancer therapy. Would you like to add, Lucas? Yes, they are indeed very interesting targets, which are also in the focus of pharmaceutical uh, industry because they are central regulators uh, when... Um, the gene expression uh, has to start or has to stop under certain uh, conditions. And by interfering with such general uh, mechanisms, uh, you have a very broad spectrum uh, of therapeutic um, uh, approaches enabled. And what Dr. Glade uh, just described, such a cooperation Uh, where they have embarked on to study uh, the role of that drug in histone regulation is a typical model for private-public partnerships, so to say. And they are much more pronounced, unfortunately, in the Anglo-American region than in Europe. However, private-public partnerships are very efficient, they are cost-effective, and they are characterized by significantly shorter development times. About the monetary situation, Professor Huber, uh, what is the situation about funding all this uh, kind of research to help patients who suffer from rare diseases? Well, uh, in our area of research, which is pediatric research and research of rare diseases, we have a saying uh, about the funding situation. It's about 2% of all research funding that goes in rare disease research. And this is a very, very little amount of money. However, it affects 20% of the population and 100% of our future. Is it possible to define a point where academia stops and pharma starts? Or are they working like parallel together? Are they overlapping at some points? How, how do we have to imagine this process? What is very desirable is when pharmaceutical companies and academia collaborate already at the stage of the preclinical development. And that enables academic scientists to better understand the prerequisites and the needs uh, such a development uh, program brings with it. 
Modern research, however, is always based on international corporations and on networks, also on networks with pharmaceutical companies. Knowledge transfer between those institutions is of utmost importance. And a close collaboration with the pharmaceutical industry is the only way to develop efficient drugs quickly for the benefit of people and to guarantee at the same time their safety. Nowadays, academia alone does not have the funds and does not have the technical means to provide the entire process. Therefore, we need this knowledge transfer and these productive collaborations. Now, we heard a lot about how research is conducted. Professor Huber, what are the prerequisites for researchers in academia? I would say the required working conditions on both sides are almost identical. You need access to key technologies. Uh, you have to have uh, highly developed instrumentation, but you need personnel, highly qualified personnel. The researchers we accept in our laboratories, they must be creative. And that brings us back to the beginning of our podcast. What is the role of creativity? They must be innovative. They must be well-read and they must be able to work under pressure in order to provide the required services and to embark on the research. We recruit on the international level. Currently, scientists from 10 different uh, nations are working in my lab at the Innsbruck Biocenter um, that I founded uh, many years ago. And in the center itself, we have 270 researchers uh, representing 22 different nations. That's a very impressive uh, way to put it. <laughs> so I hope this message will be heard. <laughs> Dr. Klade, now I'm really curious, what kind of people are the researchers at AOP Health? What do they need to bring to the table? I am personally convinced that the employees of AOP Health are the most important asset of the company. If someone asks me, how big is AOP Health? I usually, I don't think of sales figures, but I usually say we are close to 500 uh, highly qualified co-workers. These are 500 uh, brains that can be interlinked and that they can do brain work together. This is also documented by the fact that 70% of our co-workers have an academic degree. The diversity that uh, Professor Huber just mentioned is extremely important and extremely fruitful. Within AOP, we have uh, 35 languages and to a certain extent also 35 uh, cultures that bring uh, value to the creativity. Uh, another important aspect is that we have an extremely high number of uh, female co-workers uh, in management position. We have about half um, of managers are females. We need people who bring creativity. We need people who bring uh, extremely sound uh, training uh, and to a certain extent also experience uh, on the job. But then at a company like AOP Health, which is still not big pharma, but which is still uh, a mid-sized company, we most importantly need people with a can-do mentality, people that, as we say, uh, make it happen, uh, and people that have the ability to think out of the box and to come with creative uh, solutions. And what is, what is the nice thing at AOP Health is that every voice is heard and uh, every coworker can voice an idea, even if it, if it may at the first uh, instance look uh, a very unconventional idea. We can guarantee that uh, this idea 
will be in an informed way decided in the highest decision bodies in the company. This is still possible as we are still a relatively lean and agile organization. Today, we also spoke a lot about the challenges of drug development uh, and it is sometimes extremely hard work. It may be extremely frustrating work if you have a success rate of less than 10%. And therefore, I'm also personally convinced that fun is a absolute required ingredient of our work. So I'm always happy if I hear laughter on the corridors. I'm always happy if I see bright eyes in meetings. And uh, that is how I would describe my ideal co-worker within AOP Health. Um, Dr. Klade, uh, just to uh, come to an end of our today's podcast, I want to come back um, to your motto, research is brain work. And um, I just want to, to find out now about the atmosphere that you're working in. What kind of an atmosphere is it and what is the most important goal you have at the end of the day? As co-worker of AOB Health, what you can expect is that uh, every co-worker of us makes uh, his or her contribution to drug development, which is an extremely complex process, which can be extremely laborious, but which sometimes is also great fun. And above all, it is extremely rewarding because it is about making patient lives better. Thanks for listening to today's Needs Science Trust. AOP Health Podcast. Find out more about AOP Health at aop-health.com.